that, Brother Benjamin. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Bring your greetings from Brother Darren Boyer and the church in Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie is where Brother Tim Dodd used to pastor. And uh, some of the saints live in uh, Dawson Creek and they drive over. Greetings from the Dodd family, Stephen Dodd and his family. They'll be here in a couple days to be with us. And also Brother Patrick and Sister Rebecca Ungo. How many remember them? From uh, They used to be with us. We were able to spend time with them and personal time. And uh, their two lovely daughters. And they all send their greetings. Also, Brother Harold Hildebrandt. I was able to pass through Edmonton and spend just about 40 minutes at the airport with him. Lovely friend made the long journey out and just to visit us for a few minutes and his wife and himself send their greetings to you. Amen. It's good to be connected to the bride of Christ. I'll give you one testimony. Uh, over the weekends we had three services and Brother Darren was just a, uh, very ecstatic and happy with the meetings. But from one of the young men that came up on fr- uh, Saturday night for prayer and he, I'd say he's in his early 20s or so and uh, since he was been 13 years old he's uh, um, been bound by smoking and drinking and drugs and God delivered him it's been five days and he said some, from something he's been controlled by for all those years God just set him free set him free from anger we thank the Lord for that friend just give him praise Jesus loves the sheep He's not willing that any should perish or be troubled. And tonight, Satan's already defeated. And the Lord's on the war path to drive him out of our lives. We're glad on a Wednesday night, the Lord Jesus knows exactly what we have need of. We're not here to play church and be slothful. As we heard Sunday morning, we're watching, we're praying, we're under expectation. And I I don't want to keep you, but... Uh, I want to commend you as a church for the last month or so. I've noticed a real upswing in your consecration, dedication, coming and surrender and openness. And I want to acknowledge that. Our young men, our sisters, our musicians, just feel like the Lord is honoring you. And may he bless your families and restore all of the areas that uh, need help. And may he come tonight and minister in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing that one more time, Brother Benjamin. Fill my cup, Lord. Oh, fill my cup. We can lift up our hearts now. up your hand and say, Lord, fill my cup tonight, Lord. Maybe there's a need on your heart. Maybe there's someone else you're praying for. Miss, lift them up in the name of Jesus. As he spoke to us in the word, speak it out. Say it out there. Let's open up our mouths now and pray together. Lord, this is a prayer service tonight, Lord. We've set aside these moments 
Oh, Jesus, we can work too much. We can go to school too much. We can eat too much. We can never pray enough, Lord. Multiply, Lord, the expectation in our hearts. Let our faith reach beyond what we see into another dimension. Already under expectation. Already feeling that pulsation of your word. The Holy Spirit knows us, Lord. You know our needs. Minister. Minister, great shepherd. Minister, great comforter. Minister, great counselor. Minister, Lord Jesus. We pray for every heart here, Lord. We claim them under the token. We claim every person that is sick, that by tonight's service, as they hear the word, the Holy Spirit would do surgeries. Cancers would fall off. Demon spirits would be cast out. Doctors might be able to not find it. X-rays not, might not be able to find it. But demon spirits and devils have to leave at the name of Jesus, at the power of the word surging through the body, not just crying, but speaking, speaking the word under the authority of the Holy Spirit. May your presence, Lord, move through this meeting, out throughout the internet, out throughout lives that aren't even in this service. As we gave testimony over the weekend of hearts that weren't even in the service. But Lord, the moving of God moved them out there and they gave their heart to the Lord. Hallelujah, Father. We believe you, Lord Jesus. You are in this place. We invite you, Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, Lord. In your presence, our problems seem so small. In your presence, our difficulties seem so little. But let it not be a mental strain, but let it be something in our souls. Oh, Father, move us to the next step, Lord. Move us to the next place that we need to go to. You know our need. You know where we need to go, Lord. Rapture us, Lord. Catch us away. Oh, Jesus, let the word be in a place. We pray that would stir our souls and lives. Thank you for bringing Brother Tim Dodd back. You answered our prayers, Lord. Brother brought our brother Tom Ray back and our brother Murphy Wong back. Lord, we don't want to be a people that just takes it for granted. You've kept our pastor well. You've kept those that are traveling well. Jesus, be with all of us, Lord, as we embrace you and embrace one another. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 5. And... Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I, this Friday night is a prayer meeting, a prayer service. It's the third uh, Friday of the month, and so we want to be under expectation. 7.30 at the church. Prayer meeting this Friday night. And uh, looking forward to that. Genesis chapter 5. And um, tonight we're speaking on how is your walk? How is your walk? We're going to be looking at Enoch and how he walked with God and pleased the Lord. But how is your walk? We're going to bring it down right personal. Genesis 5, verse 21 to 24. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. 300 years and begat sons and daughters. 
And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Let's read that verse right there again out loud. Verse 24. But you read your name in there. Enoch's the type of the bride. He was raptured. We believe that. So I'm going to let you put your name there. We'll read verse 24 out loud. And John walked with God and he was not for God took him. And that is your testimony. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. And the musicians going to be making their way quickly into the sanctuary. It would be really good as we... Thank them for their service, but we need them here among us. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. Again, Paul is reaching back to this inspiration of Enoch. Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation... He had this testimony that he pleased God. That was his walk. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're diligently seeking you, Lord, tonight. God bless you. You can have your seats. How was your walk? Enoch walked with God. He's a type of you and me. I know it's Wednesday night and we're coming into spring break time, but this is our time to rally around the word. Enoch walked with God. Um, But I want the attention to turn to your life and your walk. How was your walk? How was my walk? We're examining our spiritual condition because this is what pleased the Lord before Enoch was translated and, and before you and I are raptured. We're going to be walking where we're pleasing him. So when we speak about our walk, it's your way of life. How's your way of life? What are you doing in your experience with the Lord Jesus? How are you living? You say, Enoch walked with God. And some might not understand this, but it's a true statement. Your public life, or sorry, your private life eventually becomes public. Your private life eventually becomes public. So you might think that you're fooling someone or you're, you know, a pretty good person. But eventually your private things, what's going on privately becomes public. Your attitude shows. Your works, your way of life, your journey. Enoch walked with God. And he pleased God. And that's why God took him up. The bride is going to be walking, pleasing Our private life is going to be mirroring our public life. So our walk has to do with the way we go, where we're going, and it has to do with where we've come from. How you move in life 
is your walk. How do you walk? You say, that man, that young man is walking the way his father does. When I see that um, young lady walk, I can see her mother in her walk. That's so that is how they move. It's, it's how we live in our manner of life. How are you walking about then in your life? That's a question tonight. It's also how are you leading? And it means to be led away. It means whatever you're being led to, you're walking away from something. So we want to make sure that our walk is the Word. We're walking towards the Word. We've walked away from a time with the Word. And it also means to carry and to cause to walk. And and in and Genesis chapter 5, if you'd like to turn back there real quickly in your Bible. I was able to hear Sunday morning service and I appreciated the, the time in the Word of God. I heard from others that it was one of the best services Brother Tom had spoke for a long time. I heard it from someone else. I finally said, did you tell him? Did you? Oh, no. We need, to, we need to do better about that. Amen. And if the Lord speaks to us, if we're being ministered to, it's, it's good for us to thank the Lord for that. I was able to watch Brother Murphy Wong's service and hear uh, the testimonies and the inspiration of, of recognizing God among us. And you are God's tonight. God's ministering to himself. In the services, Genesis 5.22 speaks again of Enoch walking with God. In verse 24, this is a very familiar scripture. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. We're just going to be going for a moment to the inner veil message. But first, just to talk about Enoch, Enoch means dedicated. And so it wasn't just a name that his mother gave him. It was his life. Enoch was dedicated. And that's the reason the Lord took him is because he was dedicated. That's the reason the Lord was pleased with uh, Enoch is because he was dedicated. His father was Jared and he was the father. Enoch was the father of Methuselah, even Jude in the Bible. And the New Testament speaks about him being the seventh from Adam. And, it, and this speaks of completion and also rest. And while Enoch, he's a type of coming to perfection and coming to that place. And even after the birth of Methuselah, it is said that he walked with God 300 years and was not for God took him. There's only one other person in the whole Bible that it says that he walked with God and that was Noah. That's in the next chapter. So Abraham was a friend of God. David was a man after God's own heart. And we could go through many others. But this phrase of walked with God was very special to Enoch and to Noah. How they walked with God. And this speaks of walking with God. Uh, whether it be Enoch or Noah. And now us under Elijah's ministry speaks of a prophetic life. Where there's a communication with another world. So our walk of life is not just Laodicea or North America or wherever land we're from. Or our, or our, our natural tongue. It goes much beyond that. When we speak about our walk, how is your walk? It's, it's speaking of, of the anointing that's on the bride to be in contact with another world. 
like Elijah, Enoch was translated without seeing death. And even in Hebrews, our scripture that we read in Hebrews speaks of the springing out and the issue of Enoch's life and, and how the, he walked with God and was not. How many would like to be that your testimony? I mean, we turn quickly now to us on a Wednesday night. How is your individual walk with God? How is your talk? What's coming out of your confession? And I want to go back to a couple of weeks ago before I read the quote of Brother Branham. It was right after camp when we were speaking on God's word calls for a sacredness in the family. And the burden that Brother Branham had out of God's word calls for a total separation from unbelief. And how Brother Branham got real personal. How he brought it down home. How he brought it to the people's private life. How he did not back up from saying difficult things. How that eagle anointing caught the burden and the need for the hour. And today, it's got to be the same thing. It's a real burden of ours. We were speaking to the pastor in Grand Prairie to not just be preachers, but to be ministers of the message. It's very important because we know we're going to speak about that in a little bit. There's, there can be a lot of preachers. But there needs to be ministers in the message that are ministering under the burden and under an anointing of what the people have need of. And that's more than just preaching. It's actually Christ ministering to the souls, the spirits, and bodies of the people. I believe that with all my heart. And so after winter camp, and then I was watching Brother Tom very closely, uh, the, the China testimonies, and also Brother Murphy, as he spoke about China. And I watched the videos today. Brother Michael Ray gave me more videos of the services and the expressions. But my concern is not so much the meetings or those special conventions or camps or even uh, services that we have. It's when we go home. It's what are our families like? What are the individuals living like when they leave this atmosphere? So that they're not hiding under just the, the uh, strong anointing of the gifts of God, but they are literally taking the Word, bringing it down to themselves, and they're living overcoming lives through the week. That's got to be a burden of the ministry. That it can't just be preaching up here, and then the people not living it, it's got, there's got to be a connection. So how is our relationship with God? How is your marriage? How is your family? How is your church? Brother Tom was digging around the tree and mentioning that Sunday morning that he was always interested. And I am too. I know Brother Tim is. When we travel, go to other places, how is the church doing? How are the families doing? And I just stopped today and, and just, this statement is true. It's going to take the grace of Almighty God for anyone to make it. It's going to be God's mercy. It's going to be the Holy Ghost. It's going to be His Word. So in the inner veil, he preached this in Sturgis, Michigan, a little place I've preached in this town before. But in this place of the inner veil, Brother Branham said a few nights ago I was called to an emergency call of a young lady dying at the Clark County Memorial Hospital. And she had been a member up at the tabernacle 
Talking about the Branham Tabernacle where I used to pastor years ago. And when I went to this young lady to talk to her, she was under an oxygen tent. And, they, and I said, they tell me you used to come to the tabernacle. She said, yes, Brother Branham, I did. I said, you realize you're dying. She said, I Brother Branham. She was a mother of one child and she was 19 or 20 years old. And she had a four-month baby. And adults could read between the lines, he said, and understand. She's taken aremic poisoning and so many things, and there wasn't one thing the doctors could do but lay her back and wait for death. That's all. Nothing could be done for her in medical science. She was going out to meet God, just a child. And I said, Sister, do you remember on the cradle roll, you were baptized into the fellowship on the cradle roll, I said, what was the matter? So cradle roll has to do with when you're young and you come up through the church, Sunday school. We might say our camps or maybe school and you come up in the church. And he said, what was the matter? She said, Brother Branham, I tell you, said, I still love the Lord Jesus, but said, I find it so hard to serve him. And Brother Branham stops and said, that is what I find around most Christian lives. And he said, most, again, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. The most people that can profess Christianity, they seem to have such a hard struggling time to hold on. Do you think that it's amazing? He said, most Christian lives. And he's talking about a young lady that had been raised in the Branham Tabernacle. And she had done things wrong. And now she had a condition. And he said, most people can profess Christianity, but they seem to have such a hard struggling time. I believe it, he said, it's because of a lack of correct teaching of the Bible. It's incredible. He didn't say it was their, uh, an experience. He said it was a lack of teaching. He said there's no such a thing as, as just holding on. He done the holding on. He's bringing a correction to a lack of teaching By giving right teaching. It's not us holding on. It's him holding on. Does he have the power to hold on to us? I mean, there has to come a time we take some baby steps and say, The Lord called me. The Lord's holding me. It's not me keeping a standard. It's not the church keeping a standard. It's not our families keeping a standard. It's the Lord that heals us. It's the Lord that delivers us. It's the Lord that fills us. Unless the Lord builds the house, we all labor in vain. So a lack of correct teaching, the balance to that is strong teaching. The whole Christian principle is based upon rest. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, you don't have to worry and struggle. Some of your answers are right in these opening comments. You don't have to be worrying and struggling tonight. So much anxiety, spiritual needs, and nervous trouble in the age we're living in. Wednesday night services are perfect for the Lord to give us a real dose of of a balm in Gilead. And Brother Branham said, Gilead is the church. So there is a balm in the church. And not the building, it's the church of the living God. 
Hallelujah. You're just resting. Given rest. You enter into peace. And that's the whole thing is finished. Them who he has called, he's justified. Those he has justified, he's already glorified. Scripture quoting, Brother Branham said. Notice, it's nothing that you do or what you can do. It's what God has done for you in Christ. How is your walk tonight? Are you always worried? Are you always struggling? If a prophet could be that open to say there's been a young lady in my church that's now coming to death, and when I ask her the question, and he comes around and says it's because of a lack of correct teaching, surely there could be someone raised up in our church. I believe Brother Branham taught right. I believe he taught his church right. But the individual could miss out and come to a place that they have no rest profess Christianity and still be struggling and God wants to end that struggle and let you know that it's not you holding on to Him and making it through. He's holding on to you. He's pressing out the wrinkles. He's taking away the spots. He gives us bleach. He gives us power. Not just in preaching, but real ministry. And someone said to Brother Branham, well, I tell you, I I just quit this and I went to seeking God. He said, no man never sought God. Man don't seek God. God seeks man. The very beginning at the Garden of Eden proved it. Adam ought to have been running through the garden hollering, hollering, Father, Father, where are you? Today, there ought to be sons and daughters of God running, saying, where are you, Lord? Where is this experience? I want to walk with you. But it was God running through the garden saying, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And Adam hiding. That's the nature of man. It's still the nature of man and women. To hide. To not be honest. To have guile. To cover up things. To try to make it on our own. But that's not God's way. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. These are the meetings to follow times of revival. Speak about prayer. Speak about the word. Speak about us digging in as families. It would stop those cycles. It would stop people hiding under just the... um, coattails of of one another and yet when the Holy Spirit discerns the situation it's very corruptible and falling apart and the tree on the inside is rotten and that person won't make it in the rapture doesn't matter if they go to this church or sat in the Bradham Tabernacle it's honesty that will bring it to the surface then God can deal with that Romans 10, verse 13. Although wonderful scripture, in verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't complicate the gospel. If there's a call in you for for God, for the word, you shall be saved. I say, Lord, save our families. 
Save that situation. Say, what is the answer? Call God on the scene. It's not just the the pastor's cell phone number. It's not having a phone list and going down and calling your friend. It's calling on the Lord. And absolutely, there's God in vessels and we call him on the scene. Gideon called ten of his friends. Come on, Andrew. Come on, Ryan. Let's go. And they tore down idols and they built altars and they prepared. I'm not speaking negatively against that. But from the individual outflows now into our marriages and families, into our church. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of great, of good things. Exclamation. Does your Bible have exclamation? Then that means that the, the writer was speaking this under enthusiasm. And we ought to read it that way. How beautiful are the feet of them, not just putting up with them. Not taking their words as a, as a suggestion. Or maybe convicted for a moment and then just going out and doing what we want to do anyway. No. It's the Holy Spirit flowing through the body. Maybe we'll get into that later. But Brother Branham spoke about gifts in the body. And he said it's to keep the church clean. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith the... Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, verse 17, I wanted to emphasize faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Thank the Lord for ministry. We've all been impacted by ministry. We heard a preacher. A preacher is one who proclaims and publishes. It's like a herald. It's it's like an officiant to proclaim after the manner of a herald. Jesus is here. The time has arrived. They're anointed to preach. Actually, in the Greek, it's with a suggestion of formality or don't take this casual. Give attention. Sit up. Sit forward. Oh, you say, you're demanding respect. No, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's the heart of a believer because we realize this is our channel to the rapture. Hallelujah. God chose this way for us, and the world calls it foolishness, and we say, I need that. So a preacher is one that is to be taken. In the Greek, it means with gravity and an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. When Brother um, Murphy Wong was speaking about we are gods, then we realize as ministers, we feel like crawling under the carpet. That if that's how the people are taking the services... And that's the way the people are, is their gods. It ought to raise the bar. Do you agree? Something which has been done, and it's to be a preacher, 
is a public proclamation of the gospel and the matters pertaining to it. That's all matters pertaining to the gospel. We heard that through John the Baptist, by Jesus, by the apostles and other Christian teachers. And if we go back to our opening scripture in Hebrews, don't turn to it. But Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before he, his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The next verse says, but without faith is impossible to please him. I, I wish we would have had time to turn to it because I wanted to connect Romans and Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews 11 very quickly. Because I don't want to be misunderstood here speaking about preachers and ministers. Because there's a big difference between preachers and ministers. A lot of people can preach, but not everyone can minister. All ministers are preachers, but not all preachers are ministers. God help us to minister to the sheep. We see this in Hebrews chapter 11. We just read verse 5. You can look there about Enoch. But verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. but without faith... It is impossible to please Him. We're speaking about our walk, our journey. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And in Romans 10, it said, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So it is imperative that the bride be under the sound of ministry. Because without that kind of faith... We're not going to be translated. That word ministry in the Old Testament means to minister or to serve. To minister, I'm bridging into the New Testament, to minister with a burden and not just words. I've seen powerful ministers and anointed ministers that fall away. They're not under the anointing of the prophet's message. Powerful preachers. And some within the ranks of the message can go so far to preach the message. But where is the faith in the people? That is the measuring stick. Because a minister ministers to the soul. This is where going back to Inner Vale, where he said it's a lack of correct teaching. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to be under ministry with a burden and not just words. Psalm 104 says, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. Brother Branham used the words thunderbolt. So we're not talking about discourses of words like we have in school that we have to learn and we read textbooks and then we get up for literary and, and we're to somehow get a good grade. No, the word is totally different. Services should be different. When we hear Brother Branham, it's different. That's an angel sent from God. And true ministers are a flaming fire. Isaiah said this, You shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers, capital M, of our God. In Isaiah 56, it went went in a bad direction. Just bear with me now on ministry for a moment. But on Isaiah 56, 11, Yea, they are greedy dogs which have never, can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand 
They all look to their own way, every one of his gain, from his quarter. In other words, they're selfish. They're shepherds that cannot understand. Brother Branham talked about a shepherd and how he, he smells like the sheep. He gets down with the sheep. Ministry must know their people. They've got to know the age that they're dealing with as it moves along in transition. God changes men within the ministry. That's always been his, his method of doing things. I've got the quote here in a moment where Brother Branham said that. He needed a change. God changes the, the, the people that are handling the word so that those that are hearing the word can be changed also. Faith cometh by hearing. We're never going to rise higher than the word we're hearing. That's why there ought to be a deep desire. God, give us ministers after your own heart that would not just be preaching sermons, but would get under a burden of the word and labor with the needs of the sheep. I cry out, Amen, Lord. Because my family's here. Your families are here. Our souls are hanging not just over hell. There's a rapture at stake. I want to go in the rapture. I want my wife to go. I want my children to go. I want my grandchildren to go. I want you to go. All of the ministry here in our local assembly are under this burden. But Isaiah, when it had gone into a, a very negative way and they were become greedy and the, and the ministry did not understand, or shepherds, Isaiah used the word, they were going their own way, their own gain. They were speaking from their own quarter. And we can all do that, that way. We can start looking at everything from our own quarter. Jeremiah cried out and said, I will set up, this is the Lord speaking through him, I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed neither shall they be lacking saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah the weeping prophet had saw enough tearing down and falling apart. He said God give us shepherds that will feed the people. That the people would fear no more. Not that the preacher is under that great anointing and we say, wow. No. The ministry's burden is that the people fear no more. The people walk in victory. Don't you understand? We're servants. A ministry in the New Testament is one who aids another in the work. It is an assistant. It's a preacher of the gospel. Tonight, I'm an assistant to the Holy Ghost. He's using my body. God has given us shepherds that we would fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither be lacking in anything. That is where Psalms 23 comes in. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the believers can say, Amen, Lord. I have no lack. I have no wanting. Now let's turn it very quickly to Brother Branham in his own Branham Tabernacle. And there's a young lady growing up. Now she's dying of a, of a disease. And Brother Branham's bringing that out, saying, there's so many people that are professing, and they're trying, and... I still love the Lord Jesus. But they're not where they need to be. 
Brother Branham wasn't happy about that. We're not happy about that. We have no joy when one sheep falls. This young man that we're speaking about in Grand Prairie, we had breakfast with also on Saturday morning. Then we took a little walk in the park and he came along with the pastor. That's ministry rubbing shoulders with the sheep. He said, but he's a smoker. He's a doper. He's angry. You have a visiting minister and you have the pastor. and We took time with him. And by the Saturday night service when the call was made, he comes forward. And by the end of that service, and I hear the testimony tonight, the pastor spent many hours with him today that he's been delivered after all of these years from a 13-year-old boy from smoking, drinking, smoking. And he said, anger, because after I, we prayed with him, I just said, just kneel down here and continue to pray because there was others that were coming. And by the time he got up, God had delivered him from these things. That is our walk. We don't want to just be hearing sermons, God. Shake us. Shake my world. This was spoken a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. I'm just remember, bringing it to your remembrance. In the seven church ages in Jeffersonville, Brother Branham said, I remember staying a year and six months in the book of Revelation in the tabernacle. That's what I like is in teaching. I just love teaching. Oh my, I think it's wonderful. It gives the basis and settles the church. Teaching. Then he said, and in preaching... That's where some people that are preachers, they can pick up the word with inspiration and sway it out in places. That's watering the seeds that the teacher has taught. He said, now you've got to put some seed in first and then water it. And the watering comes from the preaching of the word. He said, there's a vast difference between a teacher and a preacher. It's two different gifts of the spirit. Oh, I love this because the word is very good. It's two vast gifts of the Spirit, all together, two different gifts. Some of us don't like that because we are a certain way or that's how we receive or that's what I like. But we've got to remember the Holy Spirit is working in a body, friends. And it's not all about you or about me. It's about all of us together in sympathy till we all come to that place. Putting on the whole armor of God in North Carolina. God fortified his army. Am I quoting too much? No, God has fortified it. He surrounded you. Stop looking at the walls of I can't do that and I can't. It's protection. Thank God for protection. He's trying to keep you in the city. Where there's love and joy and peace. If only perfect love is going to be found amongst the believers, why would you want to go out there where they use you, abuse you, spit you up and throw you down? They'll lie to you. They'll walk all over you. They'll promise you the moon and give you a little fake rock. God help us. And in the house of God, because God's dealing with our walk, He's very interested how you live when you walk out of here. Not just saying, amen, amen, hallelujah, and then walk out and fall flat on your face. That makes very, God very unhappy. He's not pleased with that. So the ministry knows that it's not a momentary pleasure 
to just get the people under preaching, there has to be teaching laid in there to settle and bring a basis. Because God fortifies his army with what? Himself. In the form of prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors. What did he do? What was God doing? Listen, did you ever think what the offices of the church is? It's God's dress. Inside dress. An apostle, a prophet, a seer to foresee. Before Satan ever gets in. Done already told it. And the spirit of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And ministry under an anointing of their Elijah ministry. They are prophesying. We are not the prophet to the age. And we will never take Brother Branham's place. But under our messenger... They begin to speak things that are thus saith the Lord. Then the people begin to um, gravitate around that spoken word. And faith cometh by hearing. Hearing of the word. Not a momentary blessing. Not a little shivering. Oh, did you, did you feel that? But it's when I go home, I'm still affected by the word. Bring these changes home. We can talk about prayer. We can hear about prayer. How many of us are actually praying more? We can hear powerful preaching that brings us up to a place, but what do we do two days from then? It's not all the preachers. It's the laity that get comfortable under that type of atmosphere of it's so good and it's so wonderful when they need to take it to heart. Lord, change our walk. Change our talk. Change my attitude. Hallelujah. It's God's inside dress. I'm quoting, God dressed up in the church. Is God backslidden? Does God hear one thing and live another? Say hallelujah here and then over here just, well, that's just how our family is. No, no, no. It's bringing it back to the Word. It's saying, God, help me. God, deliver me. Take me further. Some of us need to get violent with the devil. You're allowing him to live in your house. And you need to kick him out. You need to make him know that he's not welcome. Does the church agree? We can hear great overcoming messages and bring us up to that place. And we can be responding. But what's it like when they go home? What's it like in their local churches? What's it like when they speak to one another? God dressed up in his dress wear. When you see these offices, pastors, teachers, evangelists, what is that? That's God's dress wear. Listen to this. God's presence. God's spirit working through man. And God loves you so much, regardless of the man, He's going to do whatever it takes that you make it in the rapture. He will wring out the ministry. He'll take them through horrendous trials. He'll break them. He'll crush them. So much to where you see some of that and you say, Oh, look at that or look at that. But really it's God breaking, crushing. So they can smell like you. They can understand like you. How many believe Brother Branham 
was a real example. Let me give you an example. And, and this was at a youth meeting, a young people's service. I was actually shocked he would be so honest after the seals. So it's not a general meeting of the church. It was a graduation. Come follow me in Tucson, just in June, right after the seals. And he's being so honest. You know what that did for those young people? It gave them strength. That if the, the minister will say that, our prophet will say that, that gives me strength that God knows what I'm going through and rise up. And they're able to walk out of there. Just listen to this as he's speaking to them. Just in coming down the road the other day, there was something happened that spoke to me about the thing that I must do. And at the time, this other minister, this other person around Brother Branham said, Brother Branham, the time will come after this. About five or six years, seven said, the Lord going to change your ministry, Brother Branham. And said, when he does, said, you'll probably just line up the hospitals and speak them out of their beds and things. That's what this other minister said. And Brother Branham said, it didn't sound right. Although I believe this certain brother was trying to be sincere about it. Now I know what this brother did later. That's why I'm not even saying his name. Because he showed by what he thought about the ministry, he was way off. And he did go way off. He was trying to get Brother Branham, and he saw the ministry. Man, this is powerful. This is going to lead to all hospitals. And Brother Branham said, I did. it just didn't sound right, even though he was sincere. And he called him a brother. Brother Branham said it just, he says it again, it didn't sound right, because our Lord Jesus never did that. He went into the hospitals, and there was one in the hospital. Do you remember where it was in the Bible, the pool of Bethesda? multitudes, great multitudes of impotent people laid there, crippled, lame, blind, withered, waiting for the angel. And that was in a spiritual hospital where people waiting on divine healing and here the divine healer himself come in and healed one and walked out. Brother Bradham said, so you couldn't expect a mortal man or a ministry to come forth would be any greater than that was. And I couldn't agree with it. He's talking about the people around him was trying to say all this and that about. And he just didn't feel right. He said, I started to turn around. The Holy Spirit come on me. That is what we need, friends. Do you agree? That's the walk of a believer. Where is God in this? Where is the Holy Spirit? God help us. And I turned around and the Holy Spirit come on me. I asked this person for a pen. He asked for a pen and I got a piece of paper and I wrote on it. And he said it's in his trailer today. If you're ever up there, it's that old aluminum trailer where I had the loading outfit just as you go in the door. There's a shelf on the right hand side right in front of the trailer. It's laying right there. I laid it there. This is the Holy Spirit, what he wrote down. Someday you can pull this out. God will never change the ministry, but he will change the man with the ministry. He's changing you. He's changing you. He's changing me. Say, he needs to change this in the church. Change that in the message. No, he needs to change me. And we need to get under the potter's clay, his hand, and say, Lord, Jesus, yeah. 
Change me. Change me, God. Let me look through your eyes. Lord Jesus, help me to be thinking about this situation the way you think about it. Let me approach this the way that you're approaching it, Lord. You know everything all about it. And I'm finite. I'm mortal. Using Brother Branham's words, I'm mortal. We'll never be greater than that type of ministry. Let alone the ministry of Jesus that he was referring to. All power in heaven and earth is given into your hands. He walked in, touched one person and left. Do we have that kind of character? How's our walk? He didn't surround himself with a lot of people that were always good and upright. He chose Judas. And no one else knew that he was the son of perdition but Jesus. He allowed that. To let you and I know that we can do that too. So it's not always having everybody around us that patting us on the back and seeing eye to eye. And No, there's differences of administration. There's different gifts that are vast. They look at the same mountain opposite. Oh, you say, brother, I, I just don't see it. Well, ask the Lord to change your heart. Maybe that's the problem. You're looking at your own life through a certain way. People profess Christianity or think they got a deep experience and when it comes out, it's very shallow. Then Brother Branham stops. This is a youth meeting. He said, I know that what I've got to do, but I can't. I can't do it in the condition that I am now. Because something has got to happen within me and that will take God to do it. That's where a lot of us stop right there. We can't admit that, let alone publicly. Let alone being so honest and open to say, I'm in a situation, I don't know what to do. In fact, something's got to happen within me and that's going to take God. There's a lot of us would have never said that. He just come down off the mountain with the sword. This is six months after that. From January... To, to June, now the opening of the seals in March. And he's confessing, I know what I've got to do, but I can't. Oh, there's a lot of us. We just stop right there. We, that might be private things, but we would never make it public. That's the problem. Here's a prophet. He was so willing to say there's things I'm going through that I can't do it in the condition that I am now. Something has got to happen within me, and that will take God to do it. If you just took these two lines, plastered it on your refrigerator, and said, that's me too, God could do something for us. Brother Ryan Hayes took a devotion for the young people on Tuesday, looking to the unseen, 1950-08-16. And I've got it right here. I listened to it. I did my homework. But I, I was just going to the dentist today and I put it on and I, the very first few lines, Second Kings, the sixth chapter. Do you all remember when Elisha was exposing things and the king of Israel uh, and the things were going on? And the Bible says that one of the servants said, my Lord, the king, Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Do you all remember that? And the king's so frustrated. We got a spy around here. And somebody finally said, no, there's a prophet in the land. 
Let me say this tonight. The Holy Spirit, the same God today, knows the thoughts and secrets of all men and women. Oh, you say, well, I know that. The danger part is when it starts coming up on the surface and he starts speaking so publicly, we don't like that. We're ashamed. We're embarrassed. Not me. Oh, I hope brother so-and-so's here tonight. He can hear this. I, I hope sister so-and-so's. Why is she so distracted? Somebody wake her up. No. But the attitude changes when it's, it's me, oh Lord. That's the attitude Isaiah had. A prophet of God. When he got in the presence of God and God's train was filling the temple, he knew he was unclean and I dwell amongst people that are unclean. It wasn't, Lord, I'm holy, I'm a prophet, I'm the bride. It was, God, help me, Lord Jesus. Take away this in my life. And I just spoke on it briefly. While I was standing at the pulpit in Grand Prairie, it struck me. I never saw it. The Bible says one of the seraphims took a coal with the tongs. They took a coal with the tongs, Brother Jean, and touched his lips. In other words, not even angels can touch this. But he touched his lips. Oh, you say, surely that was burn and, 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 and we're not talking natural. But even seraphims cannot even go here. He took it with the tongs and touched his lips. And he cried out. Who will go for us? And he was so broken, he said, Here am I. Send me. Bring it into my life. Bring it into my family. Lord, do that in our church, Jesus. Don't let our church be so great in preaching and great in ministry and the people are living some shallow, broken down. Oh, Jesus, take that off of us, Lord. There was an anointing in the camp that knew what was going on in their bedchambers. That anointing has arrived. That spirit is in the church. The Holy Ghost knows our thoughts, what we're doing in our private life. Friends, this isn't the time to scatter. And Ananias and Sapphira were not given an opportunity to repent. He didn't call an altar call. They had already heard the word. They already knew better. We are living at that time again. And Brother Branham talked about in this message, looking to the unseen. The king of Israel, they had war. And the other king wondered how they were getting a hold of all this. And a servant stepped up and said, there must be some kind of a spy among us. And the other servant said, no, Elisha knows more in his bedchamber from God. He's the one who knows these things and is telling the king of Israel. And Brother Branham stops and he says, we need some more Elishas today. Hallelujah. Oh, you say he's talking about himself. Could have been. Elisha's a type of the bride. And I won't get on to Brother Tom's service because 
uh, we went through the weekend and Monday I was flying back on the airplane. Hadn't saw Brother Tom's service. Hadn't heard it. And my, I read Mark chapter 13 where Jesus said, Take heed, watch and pray. Then he gives an allegory or a story about a, a man going on a journey, left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. And he said, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh at evening or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Is that a true statement? We don't know when the Lord's coming. Say, well, what are we supposed to be doing? Watching. Praying. Lest, he said, coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. That means in laziness. In lethargy. Idleness. To be a sloth. And to be sluggish. God, tear that out of our hearts. I want to go back to what we said the Sunday night when we were here. If you're the only one in your family that's serving God or going to make it, you've got to make it. Lay aside the excuses. My mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my auntie, my uncle. Lay that aside, friends. We've been under the sound of a shout. And then he said in closing, and what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. So some of us get an attitude like this. Forgive me for this analogy. We get an oh, watching must be like, maybe it's like a senior citizen at the apartment that has the drapes pulled and they're always watching and looking and they're calling 911 and, and they're, oh, someone's still in the van. Someone's still in the van. No, no, that's the uncle. We gave them permission. And like a senior citizen, softful, lazy, but they just think, no, I'm the neighborhood watch person. And they're looking out the window, and, and, and they just think they're so good. That's not watching. <laughs> watching means to be vigilant, to give strict attention and be cautious. It means to be active. It's not like this, looking out your window. Where'd we get that? It's in our minds. It means to go about your normal call of life, but be actively in faith. You've heard the Word. You know what He wants done with the Word. You don't need someone always beating you and, and, and screaming at you to be obedient. You're already obedient. I, I do believe that there's Gideons among us that are hiding behind the wine press, and they need to hear words and sermons like this, though, to stand up and get up, you mighty man of valor. Who are you talking about? You might, no, no, that's you. Do you believe that? So watching is not being lazy and slothful and luggish and sluggish. It's take heed through these times that we're going through. Lest, and this is dangerous, some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. Then it's like, ah! To God, it wasn't that. Were we watching? Were we in prayer? We're speaking to the family tonight. How's our walk? How's our journey? You say, 
I just suddenly happen to just fall off a cliff. Then the shepherd is going to be there. All you need to do is go back, and the Holy Spirit already knows. But it's when we do things and we want to hide, it's the carnal nature. Going right back to the quotes we've already read, it's human nature. But it's got to be more than human nature that rises up. That says, Lord, that is not the nature that I want to control my life. Take that out of me, Jesus. Let me use the words of a prophet that already had the Holy Ghost, that was born again, already preached the seals. He said, I know I've got to do, but I can't. I can't do it in the condition that I am now. Something's got to happen within me. You say, well, you can take that principle and apply it to all of us. Watch. Be aroused. Watch and pray. Be aroused from sleep. Aroused from the sleep of death. Recall the dead to life. Cause them to stir from a seat or a bed. That's what Georgie Carter, the little lamb, he heard the voice of a lamb caught in a thicket. You say, I think that's just kind of uh, some story. No, the Holy Spirit was dealing with a minister that was able to minister. And he wasn't just, well, it has to be at the Brenham Tabernacle. It has to be at the church. No, he sent him to her, her house. Nine years in trouble. Tuberculosis all through her body. Had gone down to how many pounds? 37 pounds. And here's the key. The Holy Spirit came and delivered Georgie Carter in spite of her mother, in spite of all the unbelief, in spite of her being in Milltown. Where's Milltown? Up in... God led a man of God that was able to minister. And here was the words that Brother Ryan emphasized, and I wrote it down today. When God speaks, He gives strength. When God speaks, He gives strength. Say, how's a 37-pound woman that is smaller than uh, Brother Ryan's little daughter back there by the video? Yes, Ellie, smaller than you. And here's a growing woman that is 37 pounds. How's she even going to get up? Her muscles and everything, she's been laying for years. And here's what a prophet said. When God speaks, He gives strength. Hallelujah! Some of you need to cry out, Lord, if that's you speaking, give me strength, Lord. I'm all ears. I'm all open. My heart is open. I'm yielding. I'm surrendering. What more, Lord Jesus? It's not you holding him. It's not us pulling him down. He's already here. He's wanting to press into families, press into hearts. In Jesus' name, we give him that liberty. I'll be watching. I'll be praying. I'm going to be, Lord, stir things up. Well, it's already 9.01. Can I share just a couple more things? Can you go to slide 11, Brother Joe? Can I read this out of the token? This is the first token message. Slide 11, you were there. Not responsible for one person. One person, no matter who you are, he's not responsible out from under it. And remember, all the family has got brought together. 
Oh my, oh remember, you say, well, my daddy's a preacher, my brother, my pastor, my... That might be true too. But what about you? How is your walk? Remember, only safe when the token was displayed. Exclamation. That means if you listen to the tape, he is exercised. Can you put it there? Thank you, Brother Joe. Only safe when the token was displayed. If a man was here, listen to this, under here and his son was across the street, he was in danger. He would perish. His daddy would be saved. Or if the son was over here and his daddy over here, his daddy would perish. Only the token. When I see the token, I'll pass over you. That's the only thing. You say, well, my son's a preacher. You mothers say, I got the best boy or the best girl. I tell you, they're the sweetest thing. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit and such love. They're obedient. i never seen such. What about you, Mama? You say, my mother is the sweetest thing. I, I know if she dies, she's going to heaven. Because she's really got the token, Brother Branham. What about you, sis? You don't hear Brother Branham saying, praise God, hallelujah. You're fine. You've got to take it in. No, if the dad's under the token and the son's running out of the house. I know everybody's getting quiet. This is what a prophet said in the token message. He said, what about you, sis? The whole family must be brought under. Next slide is the next time he spoke token. Sorry. We don't have time to go to the call to prayer. This is now two months later, the second token message. We're not to come together to talk about the message. We're come together to get in the message. And the message is Christ. He is the Word. That's right. We're to get into it, get underneath it. Yes, sir, that's what we're supposed to do. Can I stop right here and ask a simple question? Are we doing that? He was not responsible for any persons out from under the blood. Not one. No matter who he was, he was not responsible. All had to take not only himself, but his whole family. They're only safe when the token was displayed. We cannot feel safe until this token is displayed. That's right. You must come under this token, God's Holy Spirit. And it displays to you Jesus Christ because it comes and lives in you. Isn't that answer at all? It's not a code. It's not what somebody else wants me to do. It's what the Holy Ghost in you, in me. Now, just a few months later, this is number three. This is the third token message in Bakersfield, California. Notice what he did then. We find out that the whole family only was safe when the token was displayed. When the token was displayed, they were safe. Look in the second chapter of Joshua. Find out here that a believing harlot by the name of Rahab, a Gentile harlot over across the river, when they come into the promised land, the spies went over to spy out. All of her family was saved under the token, that only. Remember, God's destroying angel honored that token. How many believe he honors it tonight? When the churches, watch this, when the churches went down, 
When the mayor fell, the city went down, the king went down, the governor, the educated, the pretty women, the handsome men, the important, the all-sufficient, and everything went down that wasn't under that token. Same today. All their movie stars, dance stars, bosses, supervisors, presidents, prime ministers. Churches go down. People go down. There's got to be individuals. Rahab never even saw Joshua. She believed the message. So will it be in the coming of the Son of God. His destroying angel will destroy everything that hasn't got the token of the baptism of the Holy Ghost upon them. To show that you've been identified and died yourself to your sacrifice and are born into the Spirit of God and sealed there by the Holy Ghost. Only one God. And He is the only one that speaks the right word. And this is it. None other can take anything from it. And I don't want anything from it, Lord. I just want you. Lord, I'm not looking for a loophole. I'm not looking for an excuse. When you start digging around the tree and something gets really hard, don't try to cover it over. Dig it out. Dig it out. Our last quote for tonight is now the last token message he preached in Dallas, just in March. The whole family, only safe when they were under the token. And the token was displayed. The entire family. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Today we ought to remember that, people. Our children! Exclamation. And this teenage of nonsense and rock and roll and things that we're, we're going through. Well, if that was 64, what about 2018, Brother Louise? Where is it? All these beetles and bugs, do you know that it's all represented here in the book of the Bible? In the Revelation? Certainly it does. How people, they're dead. They can't rise. They were never eternal. They wasn't even in the thinking. So they'll perish. They'll be done forever. Totally annihilated. They'll be punished for aeons of time for what they did. But anything that had a beginning has an end. It's that that don't have no beginning has no end. Now, if Satan tried to come to you and bring condemnation, paragraph 104, and say, oh, that's why it is, that's why, no, you need to stop right there and say, devil, get out of my house. Because paragraph 105 is yours. There's only one form of eternal life, one form of eternal life. We strive for that. We're going to preach that. We're going to minister that. We're going to get down with the sheep and find out where they're at. And preach a word that will raise them out of their dilemma. Joshua, the second chapter of Joshua, he's quoting it again. The believing Gentile harlot that had heard and her family and brought them under the scarlet cord, which was a token from the messengers of Joshua. This is my last slide, same quote. God's destroying angel honored that token and that only in that city. There, there was God's requirement by his servants that God required this token. And that was the only. I don't care if it was the mayor of the town, if it was the holiest man in the town, if they went to the biggest church in the town. Everything in the city fell but that house. Yeah. 
honored that token. God, I want to come under the token. I lay aside all of my things in life. Let me talk to you for just a moment. Everything in my life, I lay it aside, God. Consume me, Jesus. Put fire in my bones. Help me, God. Seal this house. Help every person in our church. Every couple, every family. Rip off those notes that say nobody cares, nobody knows, God knows, God cares. And he speaks this way to let you know you're a seed of God. The token is being thrown around us. He's putting blood all over the door. Run into the house. Stay in his presence. And then when we pray, he said, we must have the token to present with our prayers. As I said, and now believe for ourselves. Apply the token to the whole family. Like in Egypt. Jericho. Now he brings in Acts 16. When Paul speaking to the Roman centurion say, Believe thou, and all thy house shall be saved. Apply it to your family. If you've got an unsaved child, lay the token right on top of them. You say, is that the token message? Is that the Bible? That's the life of Jesus coming through you. Do we understand that, friends? It's, it's more than doctrine and say, I'm going to give them that CD. I hope they're streaming. You missed it. It's more than that. Apply it to your family. He goes on, lay the token right on top of them. Say, Lord God, I claim him. Stay right there. If you've got a mother or a loved one that's lost... Lay that token on them. Say, Lord God, I claim it. Stop backsliding and going in that direction. And let that be your testimony. Friends, go the other way. Say, God, turn this ship. Turn this, Lord Jesus. Move out all the worldly trash out of your house. Get ready for it. Burn up your shorts. Throw your card tables away. Get ready. This is a prophet. Get rid of your cigarettes. Dump your unbelief and your church papers in the trash can where they belong. You say, that's so disrespectful. Where they belong. Then you're getting ready. Then what do? Then here's good. This is good teaching. That'll help establish the church. That'll help move out some of this professing. Apply the token in prayer with real evidence, real faith. Apply it. Apply it with confidence. When you apply the token, know that you are cleaned up. If our hearts condemn us not, then we have our request. As long, here's the last quote, as long as you people are doing things that's wrong, how are you going to ask God to do anything for you when you know you're wrong? This causes me to short circuit. People's not living right. They know they're not living right, yet they want prayer from the ministry. They want deliverance. It's like, you know, we, we, want, we want something to help, some magic wand. Friends, it's, there's no magic wand. If you're not living right, God can't hear your prayer. Oh, you say, that's why I go to people that are prayer warriors or people that are effectual fervent. No, get your life right. Then approach that. Watch God do a miracle, friends. How are you going to ask God to do something for you when you know you're wrong? 
That's the reason we just stagger up and stagger back. I'm not saying this to hurt. I'm saying this to straighten out, to get things right. How are you going to build it upon the chars of a Sodom and Gomorrah? Come back! Abraham and Sarah did not live in Sodom and Melchizedek come down there and drag them out. We've already heard about that. Billy Graham or Roberts, that's denominations. That was the anointing. They have their reward. There'll be many that make it to heaven that's not part of the bride. We're not dealing with that group. We're dealing with the bride, sons and daughters of God, that's going further than all of that. Do we believe that tonight? How is your walk? As our musicians come, how is our walk? When we leave here tonight, how does the word affect us? Does it affect us? Is it moving us? Do we take what's being said? Do we go back and say, God, help our family? Does it even affect us? I I believe there ought to be a gratefulness in God's presence, God's love for us to even expose things. To dig around the tree and say, give me another year is God's grace. To have Brother Michael Ray in the opening comments of Winter Camp speak about how much God cares. God cares. God loves you. And Brother Timothy Pruitt's not even there. He's up in his cabin. And throughout the whole Winter Camp, we heard that God cares. God loves you. He knows. That's why he's speaking this way. is to bring out from the congregation those virtues, those diamonds. We share it from this minister, from that minister, from the prophet, to the pastor, the associate, to a teacher, to an evangelist. What is it? Let's get ready. Let's watch. Let's pray as we bow our heads. Let's apply the token with our prayer. You say, is God going to answer my prayer? There must be a token life. In the presence of Jehovah. I wonder tonight is the Holy Spirit ministering to someone. I know it's after nine o'clock and it's Wednesday night. We need the Lord Jesus. In individuals, in families. As it's been said, and it's the truth, our church is only as strong as our families hear the rally and cry we hear it from the ministry now it's our time to respond the Lord Jesus has placed his gifts in the church to keep it clean his word is sufficient now is our time like Enoch which means dedicated to say God Enoch walked with God and was not. For he had this testimony. He had this way of life that he pleased God. Lord Jesus, that's my desire. I'm laying it right there, Lord. Take my heart, take my life, take my family, take our marriage, take my young people, take the old people, take our church. Who would just say right there where you're at, Lord, scour my heart out, Jesus. I apply the token, Lord, right in the house. I 
plead the blood. Pray for mercy. Pray for grace. Don't let that person cross the line. The voice of the Holy Spirit crying out. That's the last time we spoke. Just dealing with the matter after the service for over an hour. And that very night, the Lord Jesus gave us a dream about the situation. It was exactly. No, we weren't told. No, we didn't know. It was the Holy Spirit exposing the whole thing. Friends, the Word is exposing everything. The Lord Jesus lives in our bedchambers. We don't need some calamity or some destroying calamity in our lives to bring us to this place of dedication. Enoch was walking in a relationship with Jesus, a love relationship. He wasn't driven there by fear. God just says, come on up with me today. Enoch, we're having such good fellowship. Why don't you just come out of that body? Who would say, Lord, that's what I want in my life. The translation, the rapture, the walk with God, the maturity, Lord, to be able to. Lord, you don't have to run. I want to run. I'm looking under the bush. I'm looking around the rock. Where is the presence of God? Where is the moor? Minister to me, Jesus heard preaching I've heard teaching I've been in a good church I've had good meetings but Lord don't put me back there like that 19 year old young lady professing professing I love the Lord Jesus but she was still lacking oh Jesus take us beyond the inner veil Lord take us beyond that court the noise of the people and the emotion, the clapping of the hands. Take me beyond all of that, Jesus. Take me into the inner place. I want to walk with you. Take me into that tent. Take me into that place, Jesus, so I can help someone else. How can we apply the token to our families if we don't have it ourselves? How can we lead someone to Christ if we don't even know Him? It brings it right around to all of us. That, Like Brother Brian, I'm so honest. And before a group of young people, he just said, I'm out of place and I'm going to need God to do something in my heart. A lot of us just stop right there. We don't want no one to know. We don't want anyone to see. We just... But the Lord Jesus, He knows and He sees. We have the examples of men and women gone before us. Right in our own church, there's examples we can draw from. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives, Jesus. Oh, Father God, like the young man in Grand Prairie, five days later has no desire for those things God took those desires anger, bitterness smoking, drinking, drugs all away from him from a teenager he struggled 
His grandfather was a pastor. His mother raised in the message. There's a certain season, a certain time when we come to a certain place. From that time, God, let it be that time for some. Let it be for all of us, Jesus. As we stand in the presence, oh, in the prayer, we're going to be going soon. Maybe you'd like to say something to him before you go.
Wednesday night. Many have worked and gone to school. There's final exams this week. Report cards. Some will be leaving us for some time. We pray the blessing of God upon every individual that we've sat next to, stood next to, been so reverent and patient in your house tonight, Jesus. Your whole Holy Spirit just brooding, cooing, speaking, ministering. Go with us now, Lord. Many with young children and get up earlier. I pray the Holy Spirit go with every life now as we pray one for the other and watch. Watch and pray. May you take the burden, continue with the ministry, the prayer meeting on Friday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, if you would give us some more time, space, Lord. May we be laborers and workers in the field. Go after one another. Let us not be ashamed. Let us not be now shy to speak these things to one another, Lord. For surely if something would happen, we would feel such a responsibility. Oh, Jesus, put it on our hearts. Exactly the time and the place and the how. Because you know, Lord, what is the right way. And we surrender to you. Go with us now. Bless every heart. We pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the last verse and everyone can be dismissed at any time. Mm, Through his love, through his love the Lord provides.